So we come this morning and we are continuing our look in the book of Galatians. Uh, It's been a study that we're going to continue to go through and see what God is doing in the lives of the Galatians and what he's teaching to them and what he's teaching to us. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me over to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to be finishing up chapter 4 today. And we're going to look at a a part of this passage that is really difficult. I'll just go ahead and lay that out there early. Uh, This is some tough stuff. And this is actually why we hear, why I want to preach through books consecutively. Because if I got to pick and choose what I was going to preach on, I wouldn't have chosen uh, Galatians 4, verses 21 to 31. I would have just gone, let's move on to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That's some good stuff. Let's talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, self-control. Those are things that are they're easy to preach on and they're good and they draw people in. Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, Ishmael, covenants, mountains, cities. What in the world does all this have to do with me today in Hilton Head, South Carolina, uh, in the late July on a hot and sweltering day? What in the world is this going to be of any value to me? Well, the answer is it will be of infinite value to us because God says all of his word is God-breathed and good for us. And therefore, we're going to go through this today. And what I want us to see together today is the beauty and the power of the promise of God and how we approach him. How is it that we want to relate to him either on his terms or on our terms? Do we want to live freely with him or continue in bondage? And so those are the questions that are before us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, over to Galatians 4. This is the word of God. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, uh, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as... But just as at the right time, at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is God's word. May add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. So, (laughs) allegories, covenants, I mean, these are some pretty big things. And as I was wrestling with these over the last few weeks, and this week in particular coming together, it really drills down to a question back of freedom. This series that we've been looking at, we said, is called Finally Free. Really looking at the freedom that has been afforded us in Christ. And that's what Paul has been teaching in Galatians. 
You remember he went into Asia Minor there, into this part of Turkey, and he was teaching in the churches there, and he was preaching this gospel that was different from anything they'd ever heard. Those who were from pagan backgrounds were going, you mean we don't have to do this all on our own by going to temples and doing all of these spiritual incantations and all of this stuff in order to get the blessings of the God? You mean God came into this world and he's redeeming not only this world, but he'll redeem me and forgive me of my sins? And Paul said, absolutely, that's what I'm telling you. And many, many people came to faith and they found freedom in Christ from the bondage of sin and the bondage of that pagan lifestyle. Well, there was also a large group in that southern part of Turkey who were called proselytes, or they were folks who had been exposed uh, to Jewish teaching. And so they would have come from uh, non-Jewish backgrounds, but they sort of liked the Jewish teaching, and so they would have followed Jewish teaching. And so Paul's been teaching them as well to say, but the truth of the matter is that you can't earn your way to God through following the law of Moses that you have to believe that Christ came, did all that for you, uh, and you gain freedom through belief and trust in Christ alone. And so we had two particular audiences. And so now we come back and we're talking, and Paul is coming back and saying, now folks, both of you are in danger of losing your freedom. Both of you are in danger of losing your freedom, of entering into bondage. And the reason that, you're, that this is the case is because you're thinking that you now need to add something on to your relationship with Christ. It's got to be Christ plus something. Start with Jesus, but then it's your good works that keep you going. Start with Jesus, but if you're going to change, it's got to be by your own determination. If you're going to be sanctified, it's got to be by your determination. If you're going to be more like Christ, you've got to do it. It's your work that does all of that. And and Paul's saying, is it that you started with the Spirit and now you're going to end with the law? May it never be. Oh, you foolish Galatians, don't go there. And now he begins this talk. And he says, I've been talking about freedom and I've been talking about all of this and I want to keep hammering it home. I want to keep hammering it home. Why do you think Paul wanted to hammer home this idea of freedom over and over and over again? Because the people were forgetting the freedom they have in Christ over and over again. And over again. Martin Luther said we could, he could preach the gospel of Christ every single Sunday and it would never get boring and it would be useful to his congregation because his congregation forgot it every single week. You're going to leave here and you're going to be feeling pretty good and going, yeah, it's all about Jesus and it's all about him doing it. And then you're going to mess up and you're going to go, whoa, I got to do something to fix this. And I've said to you before, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and some of you are going to have your quiet time. It's going to be nice and early and it's going to be maybe in the most serene point of the the sun comes up and you're feeling so close with God. And then something happens. You're driving back from that just beautiful moment and you blow out a tire in your car and you sit there and you go, God, I just had a quiet time. What did that just expose about you? You were using your quiet time. You thought that because you had a good quiet time on the beach and you got up early and you did that, that God was supposed to bless you through the rest of the day. Oh, do you see how quickly we forget the gospel? Or we look around and we go, God, I I don't get this. I, I mean, I need to sell my house, God, literally. And it's been on the market for a while, God. And I just heard about somebody who's not even a Christian whose house sold and they didn't even put it on the market. God, this doesn't seem quite right in my economy of things. How is that, that this person who doesn't like you is getting blessed, but I who not only like you but sort of love you and and am in ministry for you, I'm not getting this thing. Oh, I need to be reminded of the gospel. 
I've forgotten it in my life. So we keep having to come back to the gospel and to the power of the Spirit in our lives and to the work of freedom that God's doing in our lives because we so quickly move back into slavery. We want to, God, we want to have God's blessings, but we want to have them on our terms. We want to be in a relationship with God, but we want them on our terms. And Paul says regularly and over and over again, and Christ is speaking to us by the power of the Spirit, you get me, but it's on my terms. And you have to trust me. So we're going to look at this idea of freedom. And the first illustration I'm going to give you uh, is from John Piper. And John Piper talked about freedom and the nature of freedom, that it really has uh, three things. The nature of freedom has opportunity, ability, and then it has desire. Opportunity, ability, and desire. Now, let's just think that we decide we're going to go uh, jump out of a plane and do some skydiving. Well, we've got the desire to go. And so we get in the car and we've got the opportunity because it's coming up uh, there and do this. uh, And we've got the ability to do it because we can jump out of the plane. But then as we're going to the airport, the tire blows out. I'm just sort of into tires blowing out today. Uh, And so uh, the tire blows out and you're stuck on the side of the road. Now, you still, have the opportunity, you still have the freedom of desire and the freedom of ability, but you don't have opportunity anymore, do you? Because you can't get there. So there's really not freedom in that. Well, let's say you do make it there, and now you've had that freedom of opportunity, and you get there, and then you realize that you have no clue how to skydive. You don't know how to hook on a parachute. You don't know what to do once you get up in the plane. You don't know which door to jump out of in front of the prop or behind the prop. Uh, You're just sort of all, you don't have it. So now you've got the freedom of opportunity and the freedom of desire, but you don't have the freedom of ability. You don't have the ability in and of yourself. So let's say your car made it there and you got there and you got trained and you got up in the plane and then you're standing at 2,500 feet and it all of a sudden comes over you. Why would I jump out of a perfectly good plane? You have opportunity. You have ability. But you don't have desire. Now, oftentimes that desire can be overcome by fear. Because you've got your friends behind you going, chicken. You're like, fine, I'll show them. But that's not really freedom. You jump out, but you're not enjoying it one bit. Because you're motivated by fear or shame or guilt. Now, a lot of times that's the way it is in the Christian life for many of us. We think that we have the freedom to live the Christian life, but it's really driven by shame or guilt. And so there's no enjoyment or joy in it. But there's one more little part about freedom that we have to have. And I think Piper hits it on the head when he brings this out. He says, freedom is ultimately the ability to achieve something that will make us happy in a thousand years. Something that will make us happier, bring us happiness in a thousand years. And what he meant by that is, let's say you have the opportunity, your car got you to the airport. You have the ability, you've decided to do it, you've been trained. You even have the desire and you jump out of the plane. But guess what? You're heading down and you're looking at your little thing on your wrist and it's telling you you're dropping pretty quickly. And then you pull the ripcord and the ripcord doesn't work. Are you free at that moment? Not at all. Because it's going to ultimately lead to death. All the fun, all the enjoyment, all the exhilaration of the wind rushing by you and blowing your hair. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But just blowing in the breeze and you're just enjoying it. Guess what? It's going to come to a thud in just a few seconds. Now, is that really freedom? 
Was that person free? No. Freedom actually is, in a biblical understanding, of freedom ultimately brings life. Now, many, many people in the church look around, and we, with silliness and naivete, look around at the world, and we're jealous because they're jumping out of planes, and they're enjoying the free fall of sex, and they're enjoying the free fall of drugs, and they're enjoying the free fall uh, of, of life outside of the gospel, and they're enjoying the free fall of being with anybody they want to do and do anything they want to do. And we think, gosh, that's freedom. That's falling out of a plane with a chute that doesn't lead to life, but ultimately leads to death. What Paul is trying to say is, I want to talk to you about a freedom that ultimately leads to life, happiness a thousand years from now and beyond that. I want to talk about a freedom that isn't constraining, but a freedom that, that leads you to fullness of life. Does that make sense? Man, I've looked around at times and I get, and, and the psalmist said that, didn't he? When the psalmist went, God, I don't get it. I look around and the rich get richer and they're fat and they're happy and they hate you and they speak and curse heaven and yet they seem to be just as happy and content and free in the world and here I am. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to love you. I'm doing all of these things. How is it, God? I don't get this discrepancy in the world. I want to enjoy the exhilaration of the freedom of all of these things, but I'm not seeming to be able to do that. How come? And then all of a sudden he says, I went into the sanctuary of the Lord and I saw the end of those who despise you. And they're jumping out of airplanes and they think that it's freedom, but it's ultimately death. But I'm going to rejoice to live freely within your presence and know that it's going to lead me to life. That ultimate freedom is leading to life. An ultimate freedom that leads to life comes on God's terms. He's the one who gets to set that up for us. And that's what he's talking about here in this passage. That's a long introduction to get to this confusing passage where Paul basically begins by asking a question. He says, formally, he said, you guys, uh, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you know what the law talks about? He said, you talk like you want to jump out of planes and you want to do this, but let me ask you, Do you really understand the ultimate end of someone who tries to work their way into heaven? Someone who tries to add to the gospel of grace? Do you know the end result? Have you ever talked with somebody who you see making a really bad decision? And you know that their decisions are ultimately going to lead to the end, a bad result. I remember being around some kids one time and they thought it was a really good idea uh, to take some gasoline and fill this little model car with gasoline and then pour gasoline all the way up the driveway and then light the gasoline on fire and watch it go. And I said, guys, be real careful about that. And they said, come on, you're just an old man. What are you talking? What do you know about? Like, well, I know that that ultimately is going to lead to death because I did it one time. Because I was holding that can of gasoline with the brilliant idea that I'd light it here and it would go that way. And guess what happened? It went that way, but it also went this way. And the gas can that I'm holding with two gallons of gas is on fire. And my first natural instinct was to what? Grip harder. That's smart, isn't it? And so, guys, it's not a really good idea to hold on to a lit can of gasoline. 
My friends, I was like 12 years old, they looked like they were special ops guys. They were jumping over wood piles and diving behind cars, and they were rolling, and I'm going, ah, and I'm throwing it around. It didn't blow up, obviously, uh, but it's that sense of going, boys, do you know the conclusion of these decisions that you're about to make? Do you know where they're ultimately going to lead? This thing that you call freedom, Paul says, do you know what the law leads you to? And they would say, well, of course we do. We're sons of Abraham. And the law leads us uh, to life. And then Paul goes, oh, wait a second. This is where the argument begins. And I just want you to kind of follow with me. Paul goes, okay, you really don't know where the end of the law leads because it leads to death, not freedom. And you don't understand. And he says, oh, you're a son of Abraham. And they would say, all these teachers from Jerusalem who were coming and teaching this false gospel, they would go, why, yes, we are. We're sons of Abraham. And he went, you do know there are two sons of Abraham, right? Well, of course we know there's two sons of Abraham. He goes, you know that one son was cursed and one son was promised and blessed. Which one are you? Oh, well, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? And he begins to teach on these two sons. And he says, these two sons, Ishmael and then Isaac. And I don't have time to go through all of Genesis. Uh, In our Sunday school, we were teaching through it. And so it beautifully leads up to this. But it's this picture of God had come to Abraham and he made a promise to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to produce through you and bless nations. Now, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had not had any children. And they were old. And Sarah was like, how am I going to have kids now that I'm, she said, basically said, now that I'm postmenopausal, how is it that I'm going to be able to have a child? And so they waited on this promise of God. And then they came up with the idea, God needs our help to fulfill his promise. And so Sarah came to her husband and said, take my servant Hagar and have relations with her. And the child that comes from her, that will be the son. And Abraham sadly followed his wife's desire. And he, on his own desire, went and did those things. And they had a son, and the son was Ishmael. And God came back to Abraham and Sarah and said, I promised you that I would make you fruitful, that a child would come from you too. Sarah, you're going to give birth to a child. And that's when it says Sarah laughed at God. She just thought, God... You are the silly. I I know you're God and all. You've forgotten something. I'm 91 years old, a little past the birthing years. Uh, There is is not the physical ability for me to have children, God. How is it that this is going to happen? And she laughed at him. She conceived. It says that she and Abraham conceived in a miraculous way, and they gave birth to this son, Isaac. And you know what Isaac means, right? Laughter. (laughs) She laughed at God and God says, guess what you're going to get to name your kid? You're going to be reminded constantly that you laughed at me and that I can overcome even your doubt and your laughter. And I can say, here you go. And so there are now two sons and they stand in stark contradiction to one another. One son was Abraham and Sarah saying, God, we're going to help you out a little bit in this. We want to get the blessing, but we want to do it on our own terms. We want to get the blessings, but we're not going to trust you in this. We're going to set the parameters on how this blessing is going to come about. And then there's Isaac. 
who is them saying, God, we have absolutely no ability in and of ourselves to have this child or fulfill this promise. So our only reasonable response is to trust in you. And we're going to trust you. And, and Isaac is the fulfillment of that promise. So, they, he's, so Paul is saying, you've got these two stark contradictions. You want God and his blessings, but you're going to do it on your own terms. Or you're going to be over here and you're going to trust God fully on his terms. So the question then becomes for us, where are we leading? Where are we going on this? And for most of us, he says, we run over here towards Hagar and we run over here towards Ishmael. That we believe God and we sort of trust him, but we have to add in some things. We have to say, well, I understand this promise of freedom, but I've got to do this work on my own. Uh, you know, it, it's those whole thing of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or God can, God can steer a moving car better than he can steer a car that's sitting still. So you just, God blesses those who work hard. Uh, God blesses those who try hard. Find that in scripture, by the way. But that's how we fall into it. Now, is that really Freedom. Because he says at the end of the day, what that leads to is bondage. Because Hagar and Ishmael, and then he equates it to Jerusalem. And all those who are under the law, he says, all of you, you're in bondage. And that bondage is jumping out of an airplane. And the, and the parachute isn't going to open. And it's going to ultimately lead to death. Real life, true life, the exhilaration of life isn't over there. It's over here. It's over here with saying this, God... I trust you to do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. God, I can relate to Sarah. I can look and go, you mean you can do this? You can do this? God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to live my life in such a way that I can enjoy the way that you've designed it to be for me. And in the midst of enjoying it the way that you've designed it, then and only then do I really experience true freedom. It comes from that sense of saying, I trust you, God. I'm not going to try to help out in this. I'm not going to try to gerrymander it anyway. I'm not going to try to add on anything. I'm going to accept you for who you are, and I'm going to accept what comes my way, and I'm going to continue to trust and believe in you and have a deep and profound faith. Now, folks, that may not seem like freedom, but that's what Paul keeps crying out over and over and over again. That true free life, the freedom that comes to us in life, comes from that deep and overwhelming sense that God is going to follow through with his promises. That he is. Because God made that promise to Abraham and Sarah a long time before. God's made promises to you too. And you may be questioning some of them. God, is heaven really out there? Because I'm getting pretty old. And I don't mean this facetiously. God, I'm getting older. And I've been around a long time. And I really need to know that that promise is true. Because I'm going to find out soon. God, would you remind me that it's true? Would you strengthen my faith? Would you remind me of those good things? God, would you remind me that there is freedom and beauty that comes in loving one woman well for the rest of my life? Loving one man well for the rest of my life? Would, would you help me and be reminded that there is a blessing and a freedom that comes in me giving myself well to my spouse? Or raising up my children in the way that they should go? And bringing them to church and encouraging them in the things of the gospel? God, would you remind me of these promises that you've given me? 
Would you remind me of the promise that you've said that your spirit dwells within me and I can do immeasurably more than, than I, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who's for me, that I can see him do incredible things, that I've been addicted to this action, I've been addicted to this or that, and I can't seem to get over it, but you can overcome those things in my life. Would you remind me of those promises, God? Can I live in the freedom and not in the fear that comes in this world? God has given you so many promises. And Paul points us back here to those promises to say, God is a God who fulfills his promises to you. He's going to take care of you. He is going to take care of you. He is going to see you through to the end. He is going to answer yes and amen to all of those promises in your life. And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to gerrymander. You don't have to just... Because guess what happens? When you start going, God, I trust you, but then I'm going to add a little bit to it. I call it the gerbil wheel. Anybody ever have a gerbil when you were little and you had that little squeaky metal wheel? Yeah, I mean, the gerbil was just a silly animal, wasn't it? Because it got on the silly wheel and it ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Well, guess what? At every health club, there's those silly little wheels. They're called elliptical machines and treadmills. And we just get on there and we just go and go and go and go and go. And I look at it and I think sometimes that's what we think of the, hum- of the Christian life. God says, I'm going to give you freedom. And you go, okay, great. And you jump on the gerbil wheel and you're like, but I've got to help out. I've got to do all this. I've got to do. I've got to do. I've got to do. Because if I don't, if I don't have that quiet time, God's not going to bless me. If I don't do this, he's not going to bless me. If I, don't, if I mess up here, he's going to take away the blessing on this. And there's no freedom in that. God is trying to say to you, Relax. Step off the wheel for a second. Take a deep breath. Let me bless you. Let me come and surprise you with laughter in your old age. Let me come and surprise you in a way that you never dare dream or imagine. And for most of you, the looks that I'm getting, you're going, Bill, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because I'm not giving you specifics. Because I don't know what those specifics are. But God says, I want to bless you with my presence. I want you to see the fulfillment of the promises that I've made for you in your life if you let me do that. Basically what that means to us as parents is to let go of our kids a little bit more. Quit demanding life from them. And to go, God, if I really do love these kids, and I know that you love them more, I let go of them a little bit. And I entrust them to you, that you can do in their lives what I could never do. You don't demand life from your spouses. You don't demand reputation from your jobs. You don't demand things anymore in that way. But you basically say, I have everything that I ever needed in the Father, and therefore I can live freely in this life. So if I lose my job, man, it's going to stink, but God will figure it out. If my car gets wrecked, my first response is going to be, God, not sure you why you wanted to wreck your car today, but I trust that you are going to provide something else in its stead. God, I'm not sure why I'm losing the equity in my house, but you do. And therefore, I trust you that there's going to be enough at the end of the day, and we're going to figure it out at the end of that day. God, I'm not sure why this is happening in my son or daughter's life, but I trust you that you do and that you love them, and I don't have to fret in this. God, I'm not sure why my spouse is dying of cancer or why my friend is this, but God, I trust you that you you do. And then I can relax in the freedom that comes by just letting go a little bit and saying, God, I trust you in the middle of this. 
And I don't have to earn it. I don't have to go to church every week. I don't have to tithe every week to gain it. Those aren't bad things, but they're not things that earn you his favor. Does that start to make sense? Boy, I would like to see all of us just rest a little bit more. Be active in our resting, but rest. Does that make sense? I mean, maybe I just can't see you, but you guys are just like, I'm not sure where you are this morning. Uh, And uh, maybe this is just going, it's resonating in something that's saying, boy, Bill, I want to believe that, but it's too hard to believe. You know what? The gospel is almost too good to believe, but it's true. God wants to bless you. He wants to say to you, don't worry about your father. Who's your mother? Is it Sarah? Child of promise? And if it is, that's who you've come through. He says, you're going to be blessed to a thousand generations in that way. So, for freedom. Then he finishes with the beginning of chapter 5. For freedom, therefore, Christ has set you free. Don't return again to trying to earn it. Rest in the fact that you have it. And it leads ultimately to happiness a thousand years from now. Not satisfaction ten minutes from now, maybe. Let's pray. Father, we love and hate these passages of Scripture. They're beautiful and they're so rich and deep, but yet to plumb their depths is difficult sometimes and it's confusing. But God, would you take all of this and make it very clear by your Spirit and teach us today what we want us to learn. That in your Son is freedom and it doesn't come through the law. It doesn't come through our morality. It doesn't come through anything else but Christ himself. And we can trust in him that he's been fully given to us. Father, we celebrate you today, and we want to let loose of some of those things in our lives which we think are giving us life and are giving us freedom, but in actuality, we're in bondage to them. We're in bondage to our looks. We're in bondage to our wealth. We're in bondage to our reputations. And Father, we just need to release those things to you today and trust that in the freedom of that, we gain you. Our reputations are safe in you. You'll provide everything we need. You're going to take care of us, whether it be life or death, drought or plenty. You're God, and you're going to care for us. We praise you and we trust you, and we rejoice today. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song. Rejoice in the Lord today.